The second was to reply to the dispatch forwarded from New York and was as follows. Paris, July 4th, 1815. General Becker, the commission of government has received your letter written from New York and dated from the 2nd of July. Napoleon ought to embark without delay. The success of our negotiations principally depends upon the assurance of this fact which the Allied powers wish to receive and you do not know to what extent the safety and tranquility of the state are compromised by these delays. Napoleon adopted his resolution immediately. His departure would not have been possible on the 29th. The commission then places the person of Napoleon under your responsibility. It will be your duty to employ such means of force as may be necessary treating him with becoming respect. See that he reached Rochefort without delay and take means for his immediate embarkation as to the services which he offers, our duties towards France and our engagement to foreign powers. Do not permit us to accept them and you will no longer entertain such proposals. Finally, the commission sees inconveniences in Napoleon's communicating with the English squadron and cannot therefore grant the permission required for that purpose. The Duke of Otranto, Carnot, Calancourt, Duke of Vicenza, Count Grenier, Quinette, notwithstanding this, wherever Napoleon was recognized on his journey, he was saluted by the acclamations of the people, these acclamations caused the last radiance of joy and pride to brighten his countenance. On passing out of the towns and villages, he pointed out to General Becker and the other companions of his journey the infections marshes, infectious marshes, which at that time were covered with ricks of hay, and said, You see, General, that the population cheerfully recognize the prosperity which I have created in their country and that wherever I pass I receive the blessings of a grateful people on the 3rd of July at 8 o'clock in the morning we arrived at Rochefort the emperor lighted at the hotel of the maritime prefecture and was received as a sovereign by Baron Bonifer it was on the same 3rd of July that Paris, for the second time, opened its gates to the enemy. During almost the whole of the journey, Emperor had continued melancholy, although his demeanor had never ceased to be calm and majestic. A few words which occasionally escaped him betrayed the manner in which his thoughts were occupied with the future and showed that at the bottom of his heart he still cherished a hope of being again recalled by those who, on the contrary, manifested such an extraordinary haste to be relieved from his presence during the whole of the journey, not a word either of his wife or son. From time to time he took a pinch of snuff from General Becker's box, and as the box happened to be adorned with the portrait of Marie-Louise, emperor once took it into his hand looked at it for a moment and returned it without uttering 
a syllable. The arrival of Napoleon produced a profound sensation in the town. The whole population was immediately in movement and filled the guards of the prefecture with cries of Vive l'Empereur! These cries were repeated with so much frequency and earnestness during the whole day. And in the evening, the emperor thought it his duty to yield to these prolonged marks of affection and appeared on the terrace, accompanied by the maritime prefect and his suite. The reasons of our sojourn at Rochefort till the evening of the 8th of July, when we embarked to go on board the Sal, are a mystery which I have never been able to fathom, for I could never bring myself to believe that we remained five days at Rochefort to wait for some boxes directed by mistake to La Rochelle, containing matters which constituted a part of the Grand Marshal's appointments in the Isle of Elba. But what is still more inexplicable is that the same boxes never reached Longwood on the 10th of May, 1821. They had lain five years and a half at the Customs House in St. Helena, addressed to a person in suite of the Grand Marshal as is proved by a letter of that date written to me by Sir Hudsonwell, asking whether he should cause them to be delivered according to their address, a consequence of the application. Chad just been made concerning them and whether he should consider them as part of the Emperor's personals and send them to me. My answers could not be a matter of doubt contents of these boxes were not compromised in the inventory which I had received, and I had, therefore, no legal right to receive them. I'm ignorant what became of them. It will be remembered that two frigates had been placed by the provisional government at the disposal of the emperor. They were the Sal and the Medusa. The frigates were anchored under the protection of the batteries of the Isle of X and under the command of Captain Philibert, whose pennant was hoisted in the cell. The Medusa, Captain Ponet, was placed under the command of the captain of the cell on arriving at the hotel of the prefecture. A council was called by the orders of the general, but conformably to the desire of the emperor. It was composed of superior officers, military and naval, among whom was Admiral Martin, the question to be discussed was the safest course to be adopted to ensure the Emperor's voyage to the United States. It was unfortunately too late. Since the 29th of June, the English cruisers off the coast had been doubled, and it was unanimously decided that it was impossible to leave the harbor without falling in to the hands of the enemy. Other means were then thought of and proposed. General Lallemand was commissioned to go and sound dispositions of Captain Baudin, who was in command of the Bayadere at the mouth of the Gironde. He brought back the assurance that the captain was devoted to his majesty, would receive him with the highest distinction, and place his corvette at his disposal. At the same time, the naval officers of Rochefort offered to act as a crew of a small sloop belonging to a Danish merchant, who was father-in-law of one of them, named Besson, or, if the emperor preferred it, of two chasmerets, 
with which they would attempt to convey him to America. The embarkation was proposed to take place during the night, and these brave young men entertained neither doubt nor fear. Countless causes was commissioned and empowered to arrange the whole affair with Lieutenant Besson on behalf of his father-in-law and to provide all the necessaries of the voyage. These parties signed an agreement in the form following agreement with between countless causes on the part on account of whom it may concern and Lieutenant Besson of the Imperial Navy on the other on account of Mr. P.P. Dorfendorf, a native of Denmark, we the undersigned mutually engaged to abide by articles here and after stipulated and express our acquiescence by our hands and seals countless causes agrees on his part to place the sum of twenty five thousand francs at the disposal of mr besson provided the latter fulfill all the conditions here and after stated article by article article one the countless causes places the sum Twenty-five thousand francs in cash at the disposal of Mr. Besson, for which Mr. Besson is to be accountable to countless causes without interest at whatsoever period. The whole sum may be returned. Article two. Mr. Besson binds himself to countless causes to fulfill the following conditions by means of the ship Magdalene of ninety tons sailing under the Danish flag belonging to the above name Mr. P.P. Fruel Dolfendorf, of which he is a consignee. Article 3. Mr. Besant agrees immediately and without the loss of a moment to put the ship Magdalene in a fit condition for a distant voyage to provide her with cargo branding, which he will purchase with the 25,000 francs placed at his disposal by countless causes and engages strictly follow the orders of his passengers whom he binds himself to convey to their destination article four as soon as the above named sum of twenty five thousand francs shall be paid into the hands of mr besson the voyage which he has engaged to perform shall commence and in case the voyage should not take place in consequence of orders received from the passengers mr besson is to receive from countless causes a sum of two thousand five hundred francs as an indemnity should mr besson wish to continue the voyage on his own account which he is at full liberty to do the sum of two thousand five hundred francs is not to be paid article five in case the voyage be made on account of the passengers and they are safely conveyed to their destination countless causes or someone acting for him shall pay to mr besson a sum of five thousand francs or the latter shall be indebted countless causes in the sum twenty five thousand francs only in case however the produce of the sale of the ship's cargo should amount to thirty thousand francs the payment of five thousand francs by countless causes is not to take place it being understood that the five thousand francs in question are to meet the expenses of the magdalene 
Article 6, in case unforeseen, eventually to the loss of the vessel or cargo, Mr. Besson is, by the very fact, released from all obligations to countless causes on account of the 25,000 francs received by him. Article 7, should Mr. Besson be obliged to incur any extraordinary expenses by the orders of his passengers, such expenses are to be repaid by said passengers, as well as any delay in the departure of the ship after the time fixed at the rate of 50 francs per diem such delays not to be reckoned till eight days after the ship is completely ready for sea article 8 the voyage is to be considered complete when the passengers shall have been conveyed to their destination or when the ship shall have arrived at the port Signed by Captain Besson, if the voyage not be undertaken on account of the passengers, in both of which cases the above named sum of 25,000 francs shall not be paid to countless causes till six months after the safe arrival of the ship Magdalene, signed in duplicate to countless causes, Besson. Motion for July 6, 1815.